If you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Joshua chapter 1. My prayer is, as I said earlier in the service, as I'm spending time with people and interacting with you guys as, as a church body, I'm finding that, that God is doing a work in all of us. Um, and sometimes it may feel like, you know what, it's almost like being birthed again, re- being rebirthed again, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You may have been going through some things, and, and maybe you've just kind of been drifting along, and all of a sudden you feel like the Lord is shaking you and waking you up. Turn me down just a little bit. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, it says there, in, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River in the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Joshua here is 90 years old. His mentor is dead. I'm sure he feels emptiness. This is no small challenge to take a million to two million people across the Jordan and into a land that they had not been in before. In fact, the land to where the spies before had said that uh, it, this land was full of giants. But here it was, this huge responsibility, and Joshua in his humanness must have been saying, and maybe even wondered, am I up to this challenge? Is there any way I can take on this assignment? I want you to know this morning, those of you who are old, God has never finished with you. He's got a job for you and a responsibility and an assignment until he takes you from this earth. God will give you the strength to do whatever it is that he wants you to do. Joshua's name means Yahweh is salvation. The name Jesus in the Greek comes from the translated word here in the Aramaic short, which is Jesus and Joshua are the same. Joshua was born into slavery in Egypt. He was pressed into service for Moses. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Joshua was one of these. In fact, in the next, a couple verses later, he says, These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. And then Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. Now, some have thought that this is just some kind of random uh, accident, but I don't believe it was. I believe that Moses was looking strategically. He wanted somebody to be there to watch the spies. And, And so forth, that Moses would say he would change his name now to mean Yahweh is salvation. Joshua and Caleb came back with a minority report, but which was a good report. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, Should we go up and take possession of the land? For we can certainly do it. God was looking for them to do what he had desired for them to do for many years. But then what happened was the other men came back. In Numbers 14, it says, So the men of the Mo- that Moses had sent in to explore the land, who returned and made the whole com- community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, survived. Fear overtook the people. Let me ask, tell you this morning... That God hates grumbling. 
If you have any doubt, you read through the book of Exodus. God does not like grumbling. The reason why is because when we, when we grumble and complain, we are saying, God, you're not sufficient. You're not enough. The church over the last couple years, I want you to understand this. As you look at Joshua and Caleb, obedient men, believers, they wandered the desert for 37 more years with the children of Israel because of the sin of the people. Not because of Joshua and Caleb's sin. Over the past 20 years, the church has taught us, follow God, you follow Him, and guess what? Everything is going to be good for you. I remember years ago when I was just beginning in ministry, it was probably around 30 years ago, we, there was this plan and we, 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 the idea was to market Jesus to make him appeal to the mass audience so that everybody would want him. We've done a good job of it. We have dribbled it down, we have watered it down to the place where anybody and everybody wants Jesus. In fact, 80% of this country would say that they're saved. Hmm. Interesting when you see how we live. It wasn't disobedience, it wasn't fear, but they would simply, they would suffer along with the people of God for the corporate sins of Israel. We at times, as Christians, we suffer with the sins of our country. We suffer the sins, even though we may not be guilty, of our husbands. We suffer the sins of our fathers. And it is all a part of God's plan. Greg, you, you preach a lot about not just to the individual, but you tre- you're preaching to a corporate body. Someone was saying that this week, and I want you to understand that that's what the book of Acts looks like. Yes, there is this individual responsibility, but there is also this corporate responsibility as the church, as the people of God, corporately in fellowship with Him. That we, as a group, you as the husband of your home, you have a responsibility as the father of your children. You say this morning, well, can there be purpose filled in this suffering? It's interesting, 1 Peter talks about that. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Greg, are you telling me that actually suffering could be something that God's, it's part of God's will? I don't know what else to say. (laughs) But this is what Joshua and Caleb had to do. The Amplified Bible even makes it more clear. It says it like this. Therefore, those who are ill-treated and suffer in accordance with the will of God must continue to do right and commit their souls for safekeeping to their faithful creator. This goes against everything we're taught. You simply follow Christ and everything's going to be good for you. You are destined to be prosperous. Call this into question and I will tell you this morning, you'll have a fight upon your hands. How dare you? Do you lack faith, Greg? Why would you say such a thing? See, I found two areas of the modern church that they do not like. You say that God will allow us to suffer? You lack faith of some kind. You're not some spiritual person. The second is that you preach against the idea that we drift along and you're playing church or that we love religious things and you will have another fight on your hands because these are the sacred cows of the church. Notice that judgment would come. 
It says they were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. However, I want you to know today that God's mercy has allowed that judgment to be delayed. But I want you to know it is only for God's divine purpose. God's delay in judgment does not mean that He is not going to judge. Do not be fooled. Do not delay. Do not delay in producing good fruit. Do not delay in seeking His heart. Do not delay in seeking after Him. See, in 2 Peter 3.9, it says there, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He has delayed this judgment because He wants to see everybody come in. But I will tell you, there's coming a day when we are going to be judged. And that day, I want us to be judged when He says, My good and faithful servant... Come in, enter into your glory. So God gives the promise in Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. He says, I give you every place where you set your foot as I promised the servant Moses. Many of us have used this as a means of prosperity teaching. But I want you to look at the next verse after this in verse 4. He gives the dimensions and the limitations and the conditions to God's promise. God's promises are conditional. You mean it's just not the free-for-all? No. You're going to find that out as we go through this here. There are dimensions and conditions to everything God gives us. In Joshua 1.5, he says there, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Was there going to be resistance? Yes. Is there going to be resistance in your life? Yes. Are you going to have to battle? Yes. Why you say that? Well, Ephesians 6.12 makes it clear. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. You are not fighting with flesh. Your battle is with the enemy. It begins with that enemy that reigns right here. Because the first territory that he occupies is your flesh. If you come to Christ, he has occupied your flesh before you ever got saved. He wants to redeem that flesh along with your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. Your spirit is initially saved upon that that relationship with Christ. But you know what? Everything else has to flow from that place. Next, realize what he says here. His reminder even to Joshua is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It reminds me of words of Jesus in Matthew 28, 20. He says it there. He says, surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So here's my text this morning. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. It says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
I can take this promise today. Is that what you're saying? I believe you can. Because this, this, this promise here that he gives us about being strong and courageous was also given to other men. Isaiah. In fact, I'm going to go through a list of all the people that God said do not, that we were to be strong and courageous with and also not to be afraid of. The idea is even, is even more expanded in the New Testament. I love what H.S. Richardson says. He talks about when they went into this new land. He says this. Excuse me, I'm going to back up one here. Thomas Constable says this. Ownership of the land depended on God's faithfulness. But occupation of the land depended on Israel's faithfulness. There is a condition to our relationship with Him. So I took this and I said, you know what? I believe that God's saying the same thing for us. Salvation of man is dependent on God's faithfulness. On Him alone. But our abiding is dependent on the church's or our faithfulness. Salvation is dependent on God alone. Most of the time, I go through this life and I try to avoid the struggle. But here's the thing. When I avoid the struggle, I may be avoiding the very thing that God has brought to my life. I spend my life looking to avoid pain, trouble, persecution. I fear the unknown. We will naturally take the easy path if it's presented to us. Many times as I feel resistance, I feel like, oh, I must have missed God. I want you to know this morning that there are times when that resistance is God. God's saying, let that resistance be the very thing that catapults you, that moves you to where God wants you. Some of you right now, in your relationships, in your homes, in relationships with others, with your family, with your spouses, with work, all these things, you're looking at them right now as though they're from the enemy. And there they very well may be. But those are things planted for us right now. The dynamic is that God wants to use that place of pain in your life to catapult you into a place where you have never been before. God wants you to know this morning, do not avoid the pain, but embrace the pain. Don't look at it as though it's something strange were happening to you. James says it like this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. God wants to produce that in us. Romans, he says it also, he goes along with the same thing. He says in Romans 5, 3 and 4, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. See, the very place that God has you planted, the very difficulty He's got you in right now. He's saying, listen, don't look at her As though it's her fault. Listen, I'm doing a work in you. I said it to somebody this week. I said, listen, I want you to expect very little from her. I want you to expect very much from yourself. See, God wants to do this. He wants this suffering, this trouble, this trial to produce perseverance in us. And perseverance, the character that God wants to produce in us. And then eventually the hope. See, if I go through life avoiding the very thing that's designed to produce this this in me, it's like I was talking with Scott this week. It's horse training. You know, we press our horses at times to do things that they don't feel like they can do. I've been on my horse in the mountains at times where he's literally shaking 
And he'll get down on his front knees and he can just barely go any further. I back him up a little bit and I say, okay, now, get ready. We're going to do the next step. See, God uses... And why would it be any different for God in our lives to use those very same circumstances, the very difficulties of life, to produce in us the things that He wants to do in us? To do the things that bring that character, build that in our lives. He does it. We do it with our horses. Why should it be any different? I was thinking that this week. God, you use that same example for us. You press us. When God repeats something, we should, we should take note of it. God repeats here to Joshua several times. He says, be strong and courageous. Now, the Hebrew word here in the Old Testament that, that we talk about courage is a concept of strength. It is something that we face challenge, and when we face those challenges, we can either lose courage, we can feel weak, and we can feel inadequate, or we can actually begin to embrace that place. It will strengthen us. It's going to build that courage. If we tackle this, God will build confidence in us. This was the instructions that he was giving to Joshua. He told him back in Deuteronomy the same thing. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. So what is this? He says it like this. He says here, he goes, in Joshua, he says, Have I not commanded you? This is a military term, and it means to lay charge or give charge, a command or an order. And God's saying, listen, have I not commanded you to be able to do these things? If it's something he commands, it's like husbands, love your wives. That is a command that is doable because God said it. So if he says, he he tells us he commands it, it is something that we are capable of doing. I want you to know this morning, you are capable, men, of being faithful to your wife all of your life. You know why? Because God commanded it of us. You can do it. The word here, be strong, is the word kazak. It means to grow firm and strong. It means to strengthen. This is not some instantaneous thing. It is a process for us to grow firm and strong in Him. It is an action word that begins and ends with us being changed and transformed. The second word is the word amats, courageous. To be stout, strong, bold, and alert. So God says it over and over to his servants. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. I want to infuse you with the strength of the Holy Spirit. I want to give you the strength of my presence. I want to give you the strength of my promises. I want to give you my word. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Courage means that you will actually run into fearful circumstances. You do it with confidence and without fear. You do it with resolution. He didn't say, I hope you will. He said, you will. He commanded it of us. It's amazing. It reminds me of, and right around 2012, the army or the, the, the military, the Marines came out with some. says, we would actually run to the sound of chaos. There are a few who move toward the sounds of chaos. Ready to respond at a moment's notice. And when the time comes, we are the first to move toward the sounds of tyranny, injustice, and despair. 
They are forged in the crucible of training. They are the few, the proud, the Marines. So I say this morning to you, which way do you run? When pain comes along, do you run the other way? When trouble comes along, when persecution comes along, do you run the other direction or do you embrace it? Do you run towards it? See, God wants us as men and women of God to be able to run towards the sound of chaos. There's gunfire. Let's go. The twin towers are falling. Let's run towards it. Men signed up in droves after 9-11. You know why? Because they were ready to be strong and courageous. Not that we look for trouble. We do not stir up trouble. We do not stir it up by bad behavior or as a result of our character defect. But we do not shy away. We do not run scared. And ultimately, he says this, and he says it over and over again. He says, I will not leave you alone. I will be with you to the very end of the age. Everything that I require of you, I will give you the strength to be able to do. He is here with us. He wants you to know this morning that he goes with you. You don't have to go on your own. Remember the promises of last week. If we abide in him, he will produce the fruit. So that character defect, that marriage problem, get your eyes off the problem and get your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is with you in the trenches. He is running toward chaos with you. What are you talking about, Greg? He says this in Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, if we see ourselves in God's eyes, if we see that He's going before us, that we can draft behind Him, He clears the path in front of us. That's what God wants us to do. God and man in union, in partnership, in cooperation, in friendship. Remember last week in John chapter 15, tucked away, barely visible, is this one little scripture. In verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Remember I said last week there's four things. Devouring the word, radical obedience, diligently seeking, and persistent prayer. See, Jesus defines who his friends are. He says, those who do what I tell them are my friends. Those I tell my inner thoughts to. Those I tell my secret plans to. Those. See, a friend is close. See, Jesus at times whispers. Why? Because he wants to get our ears close. Be careful. Joshua is told. To obey all my law my servant Moses gave you and do not turn to the right or the left that you may be successful And all you do. The word all there means exactly that. I looked it up. I thought, well, maybe it doesn't mean everything. It means whole, everything, all. The Amplified Bible says it like this. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do everything in accordance with the entire law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right or the left so that you may prosper and be successful where you go. This isn't picking and choosing what I like and what I don't like. If I belong to him, I do it all. 
See, three days from this time, Joshua was going to be crossing the Jordan River. He says, get ready, do not delay. I'm telling you right now, get yourselves ready. No matter what that giant looks like, many times you have stared him down. You look in the mirror in the morning and there he is. It's your flesh. God says, listen, I have given you the ability, the stamina, the strength, and the perseverance if you're willing. Do not swerve to the right or the left, but fully obey. I love the way McLaren's expository says it like this. For in no mere metaphor, but in grim earnest, all Christian progress is a conflict. And we have to fight, not only with the evils that are within, but if we would be true to the obligations of our profession and loyal to the commands of our Master, we have to take our part in the great campaign which He inaugurated and is ever carrying on against every abuse and oppression, iniquity and sin that grinds down the world and makes our brethren miserable and servile. So, then, in these words, we have the directions in regard to a side of the Christian character indispensable today as ever, and the lack of which cannot be made up by any amount of sweet and contemplative graces. There is a place in God's grace where we fight. That we don't just get in the river, paddle around, with our butts in the tube. Be strong and courageous, he says. It's connected to two things here. It's listening, following the word, all of it, and the second thing is that we meditate on it day and night. It's not swerving, it's it's not swerving, but it's fully obeying, and the other thing is, is that we obey it day and night. And that we meditate on it day and night. This word meditate, it's interesting, Pastor Mark told me this morning, we were both going over this word meditate. And this word meditate in the, in the Hebrew is this word, the Hagah. And it means to growl like a lion over its prey. How many times have we thought meditation is this passive, just kind of, whatever, let's just, let it just flee float. No. He's like this. He says, when you meditate on the word, I want you, this is my word. I, this is my word. And no, you cannot have it, devil. It belongs to me. That there is this aggressive, there is not this passive attitude. It is active and aggressive. It's like an animal about to devour its prey. That's how God wants us to devour his word. Ooh, man. I don't know about you, but that... I love the way Irving, Edward Irving, said to this generation about the word. He says, he fe- Who feels the sublime dignity there is in a fresh saying descended from the porch of heaven? Who feels the awful weight there is in the least iota that hath dropped from the lips of God? Who fills the thrilling fear or trembling hope there is in words wherein the eternal destinies of himself do hang? Who fills the swelling tide of gratitude within his breast for redemption and salvation instead of that flat despair and everlasting retribution? See, this book, the offspring of the divine mind and the perfection of heavenly wisdom is permitted to lie from day to day, perhaps from week to week, unheeded and unperused. Never Welcome to our happy, healthy, energetic moods. Admitted, if admitted at all, in seasons of weakness, feeble-mindedness, and disabling sorrow. Oh, if books had but tongues to speak their words, then might this book exclaim, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. 
15 times in the book of Deuteronomy, Joshua is told to fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord will displace human fear. And now Israel, he says, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to love and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. See, Joshua needed to learn this, to be strong and courageous. It was not going to be in his own ability, but it was going to be in God's ability. Ephesians 6.10 says it like this, Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. That's what God wants us to know this morning. So I'm going to read... Uh, Psalms 18 to you, 29 says, with, the help I can, with your help, I can advance a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, in His way is perfect. The Lord's law is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He causes me to stand on the height. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield, and your right hand sustains me. Your your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before you. I want you to know this morning, I want to remind you that you are in a battle. God has armed you with all the strength that you need. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know or have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of heaven, the ends of the earth. And he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. This morning, God wants you to know this. It is an incredible exchange God wants to offer us. We give him our weakness. He gives us his strength. See, we go into this battle armed. We cannot lose. It's his strength we're fighting in. But so many times we fight in our own. Many of us have fought our entire life in our own strength. God's saying this morning, get in behind me. My prayer life has even changed this, this past couple months. I feel like I'm, when I'm praying, I'm like, I'm behind him. He's going before me. He's, he's swashing things away out of the way. He's saying, listen, I will go before you. I will fight your battle. Don't do it on your own anymore. Do it in my strength. Do what I have done for you. I fought the battle. You just get in behind me and draft behind me. See, we go into battle. There is no matter how fierce the battle, Christ cannot lose. These are just, I want you to see how many times men of God of the old, all the way through the New Testament, were told, do not be afraid. Be strong this morning and courageous. Kazakh means that. To stand firm, to hold your ground. In these three verses, when he says be strong, he's saying to strengthen, to fortify, to withstand and prevail. It means that the woman of man and woman of God, God is telling you you can look eye to eye with your opponent, you can grip your sword so tightly that it becomes one with your hand, and that you can tell your opponent, I dare you, I don't, know how, I don't care how big you are, I don't care what you've done in the past, my God is greater. I stand in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Amat's 
Courageous means to be of good courage. Amat is an unwavering, unyielding confidence in victory before the field is ever taken. If we're ready and we're alert, God says, listen, the odds are in your favor when you go with God. This isn't a time of peace. It's against the principalities and the powers that are puppeteering the people. And we are in a position to see souls set free. This has been the ancient war cry throughout all the generations of the Hebrew nation. Rock! Kasak! Where does it come from? Kasak. This is the Hebrew. The rock-like oomph of the spiritually zealous heart, the game face of a mighty man, tenacity of soul, the gritting of the teeth of the spirit-inspired warrior, and the bearing of those teeth to the enemy. Kasak is possessing a resolute and growling resolve for the glory of God, a flush of spiritual fervor, a tensing of all a soldier's muscles. There's a Kasak. We don't have that spiritually. We should. We don't. Because we don't know what we're engaged with. Did you know that you have the armory of heaven? That you have everything you need for life and godliness to push the enemy forces back? And so when you hear, Kasak, your knuckles spiritually should immediately turn white. And you should find yourself gritting your spiritual teeth with a belligerence against the enemy. He goes down. There are souls that must be saved. And that's just Kasak. The Hebrew statement is Rock Kasach. However, in the Bible, where that came from, it's Kasach Emos. The other word that goes with it, Emos. It's heavenly audacity. It's rushing headlong into the most hazardous and impossible battles without pausing to consider the impossibilities. Who had Emos in the Bible? David against Goliath? That's serious Emos. Okay, he's rushing headlong against the Goliath. It's like, David, we might want to think about this a little. No, I'm not weighing the impossibilities. This is for my God. It's a confidence in victory even before the field is taken. It's lambs moving with liquid ferocity straight into the lion's lair. How about the three that overheard him in the cave of Adul? He says, oh, for a cup of cool water from the well of Bethlehem. Those guys had a moths. They go run out, break through a garrison of Philistines to grab a cup of cool water and then bring it back through the garrison. They're being hunted by Philistines all the time trying not to spill a cup of water. That's the moths. Mere men and women on earth are eaten up by the enemy. However, we're not just mere men and women of this earth. We are redeemed. We are bought with a price. And we've been changed into the body of Christ. A moths means swift-footed, all-believing, super-conquering, prevailing faith in the Lord of battles. What happens to the world if Christians once again get Kasach and Amats? You know what the apostles had after Pentecost? Something came into them. What was it? You can say it very simply. Kasach and Amats. Spirit of God. He came in to win. He came in to turn this world on its head. Moses' last gasp. This is his great speech before the promised land, which he never got to enter into. And he's laying out the ground rules for the kingdom that is about to be established across that Jordan River. 
Be strong and of good courage. Kasach, Hamas. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that does go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Kasach, Hamas. Be strong and of good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Well, what's happening there? The men and women of God are coming to take what was purchased. The promise. You are surrounded by 31 hostile empires. You know, that's what they were headed into. 31 empires on the other side of that Jordan River. 31. This is where we are at as the church of Jesus Christ. Yet we are there without a war cry. Let's understand that we are out to win for the glory of Jesus Christ. And even if we die, we win. Doesn't matter what happens to our bodies. We obey, God wins. Now suddenly we're crossing. Joshua is the same name for Jesus in the New Testament, by the way. Yeshua. This is the Savior, the man of salvation, who has come in to bring us into the inheritance. Be strong and have good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Rock the sock. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Rock the sock, Israel. Sock, men and women of God Almighty. All the powers of earth and hell that come against your soul, and all the powers of earth and hell that are puppeteering the lost masses, you hit them square in the teeth. And you show love to this world. To anyone who would spit in your face, you serve them and you love them in return and say, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Rock a sock, Israel. all stand.
ashes of defeat, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The morning I want you to know the Lord rides on a white horse this morning he is victorious he is no longer in the grave he is no longer on the cross though we try to keep him pinned there this morning he wants you to know over your situation over whatever it is God says listen I am victorious I am victorious in the name of Jesus do not delay do not delay come after me abide in me and I will do those things that you have asked for in this hour. I praise you. I thank you, Lord. Your name is great. Hallelujah. You guys are dismissed.